We can mention the Cookies for Cobb Pregnancy. Cobb Pregnancy Services has a, a Christmas party for all of their clients every year, and we are donating 50 dozen. Is that true? That's what I have written here. 50 trays of cookies, a dozen each. So that's a lot of cookies. 50 times 12, 600,000. 6,000. <laughs> 600,000 cookies. So we need a lot of people to bake. So if you're interested in helping with that, see Kim in the back. She can help you coordinate that, and I probably butchered that. It's probably not 50 dozen cookies. but So we're doing 25 dozen cookies, which would be 3,000, not six. So if you're interested in helping with that, see Kim. If, you know, we just need folks to make 12. Make or bring 12, then we can get those trays knocked out. And then next Sunday from 6 to 8 at Riverstone, that's our parent church, is face down from 6 to 8. It's two hours of prayer and worship. Um, I'm really excited about where face down is going. Over the next several months, we're going to focus specifically on salvation, on evangelism, on seeing people come to the Lord. So we're going to start that in December, and that's going to carry through in January and February until we feel like... Uh, We've done what we needed to do prayer-wise. So I would really encourage you guys to come to that. If you've never been, it's great. Uh, there, it, there is some child care available. You can um, see Penny outside if, you're, if you need that. I think up through five, year, five years old, there's child care. So see her about that next Sunday. All right, this is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is a season um, in the Christian year. There's actually a Christian calendar. You might not know that. Advent is a season in the Christian year where we focus and celebrate Jesus' coming. And there's kind of three elements to that. We, it's the, the Christmas story that Jesus did come 2,000 years ago, Bethlehem, manger, all of that. There's this historical deal. Then there's Jesus' present coming. He continues to come to us through the word and through his spirit. And then his future coming, the white horse, the sword, king of kings, to wrap up history. So there are these different elements. Advent is not just about what happened in Bethlehem. 2,000 years ago. It's about the fact that God comes to us through Jesus. He has, he is, and he will. And so for the next four or five weeks, we're going to focus on that coming. And today what we're going to focus on is giving. Um, that video um, that just ran that $450 billion that we spend on Christmas gifts, and that might make your stomach churn. I don't know what that does for you, but I do think there is some... That's rooted in, I think, the true meaning of Christmas. I actually think if you whittle it down, Christmas is about giving gifts. The, the first Christmas gift was Jesus. John 3.16, y'all know that. God so loved the world that he gave. Christmas started with God giving himself to us. And then even in that Christmas story, you have people giving back to God. Shepherds come and give worship. Wise men come and give gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so you've got this exchange of gifts, this giving and receiving going on even during the first Christmas. In our culture, you know, we've done a lot to mangle Christmas, but one thing that I think is still rooted in reality is Christmas is about giving and receiving. It's about gifts. Ultimately, it's about Jesus coming to us, receiving him into our life, and then giving back to him. So I'm going to define God's gift not as Jesus per se, but as God's activity among us. I'm going to say that God's activity among us, in my life, in your life, that's God's gift. 
the first guys, um, let me read this again. This is what Heather read at the beginning of the morning. Let me just read this one more time. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. Don't be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Don't remember our sins forever. Look upon us, we pray, for we are your people. That is a Advent prayer cry from the people of Israel. They're not looking for a baby in a manger. That's why so many missed him. They were looking for a king to come and fix all of this stuff. Their nation was a wreck and they wanted God to come fix it. And he came as a baby and they missed it. We're the opposite. We're cool with a baby in a manger. We don't want a king. And so we miss it too. And so during the next few weeks of Advent, we're going to focus on the fact that God still comes to us. Yes, he came as a baby. That's not how he comes now. And that's not how he will come again. And we miss it when we just think of sweet baby Jesus in the manger and that's that. Babies are innocent and they're innocuous and we can pick them up and then we can put them down. King's different. We have a king who's coming. This scripture is the cry of a people who are saying we need somebody to make things right. And that's us. We need somebody to come and make things right. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Who gets the gift? Who needs this gift? And then how do we give it? Um, The Advent Conspiracy video and Veronica's testimony, every week we're going to try to have testimonies of people who have just done Christmas a little bit different. We just came off this Sermon on the Mount series, and the point of the whole thing was to actually live the words of Jesus. And I thought what Veronica said was good. She was saying at some point she realized she wasn't living this reality of advent at all she was just kind of following in the footsteps of our culture and at some point that ran counter to what she and her family felt like the lord wanted for them and so they stopped and they did something different so we're not i'm not saying you've got to give money to wells we're not saying that you've got to stop saying christmas you that's not the point the point is just to think and to ask the lord how would you have me and my family or whoever that is celebrate christmas what do you want us to do instead of just kind of mindlessly following along with the stuff that maybe um, is on TV and all that jazz. So that's that's all that is. I'm not trying to push you in any particular direction other than to say, live the truth. Live live on the rock during December as well. You don't have to do, you don't have to spend money. You don't have to, you don't have to have a Christmas tree. You do whatever you want, just as long as it's based on what you feel like is honoring Jesus and celebrating his coming to us. So that's that, and hopefully we'll have a few more stories that will encourage you as we go. So who needs this gift? The gift is God's activity among us. Short answer, everybody. Ecclesiastes 3.11, 
um, says that God's placed eternity in the hearts of every man, every woman, every person who's ever lived. We said 120 billion people have ever lived in the course of history. Every one of them needs this gift. All of us. Everyone God's created. Doesn't matter. Healthy, sick, rich, poor, young, old, ethnicity, gender. None of that matters. Everybody needs to receive this gift. There's 6.7 billion people in the world right now, so where do we start? That's a lot of folks. We're not a lot of people. So how do we go about giving this gift to this 6.7 billion people in the world? And I would say you start here. You start in your community. This is where you start your community. Don't think Marietta or Smyrna or Cobb County. That's too big and it's too general and there's no faces. Your community is the network of relationships that you find yourself in. That's the heart of what a community is. It's relationships. Some of them are close. It's, you know, family. Some of them are more superficial. It's the people who cut your hair or serve you pizza or your bank teller. Some of them are uh, defined by what you do with one another. We're, we're on, we play basketball together. We're in the PTA together. Some are deep, like best friends and cover multiple layers. But it's relationships. Just think about if, if you and I went to eat after lunch, after church, and we met someone who you knew who I didn't know. You would probably introduce me, this is David, he's my, he goes to my church, or he's my pastor, or something like that, and you would introduce them to me as, this is Joe, he works with me, he, you would tell me how you are related to him. Relationships are really at the heart of our community, and so that's where we need to start. Don't think of 6.7 billion people. Don't think of Marietta, I would say don't even think of your neighborhood. Think of the people that you're in relationship with on a regular basis. Those are your people, and that's your community. That's your city. In Acts 1.8, Jesus gives us a responsibility to those guys. He says, you're to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Your people, whoever that is for you, that's your Jerusalem. And you have a responsibility to those people to give them this gift, God's activity. Now, they have a responsibility to accept it or reject it. That's not on you. But you have a responsibility to give it to them. And I have a responsibility for my Jerusalem, for my city, for my community, for the people who I'm in relationship with to give them this gift. Now, they might accept it or reject. That's on them. But I have a responsibility to give it to them. And so we've got, that's kind of who needs the gift. Is everyone another way of looking at this? We talked about this maybe a year and a half ago. It's been a long time since we've talked about this are the, um, the walls of the city. A guy named Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade for Christ, and a guy named Lauren Cunningham, who found Youth with the Mission. Those are two international, well-established, solid ministries. The story goes, and I assume it's true, independent of one another, were praying really about our country and what needed to happen. And they, again, independent of, of each other, kind of had these seven areas of influence that the Lord kind of put in their heart and said, these are the areas where the church needs to work. It's the church, family, education, science and medicine, business and the economy, um, the government, the legal sphere, and arts, entertainment, and the media. So those seven institutions, for lack of a better word, these guys said those are what need to really be addressed in our country. Yes, there are people that need to become Christians, absolutely, and begin to follow Jesus. But there are also these other things, these institutions, these structures that need to be addressed as well. And what we've called those is the walls of our city. We said that our community are the people who live inside, and there are these walls 
that are around it, and it's those seven things. In the Old Testament, the walls of a city were very important. If you didn't have walls, you didn't have a community because you were open to attack. As soon as you were established a place, you would build walls around it to protect you from invaders. And you can see, particularly in Isaiah and Ezekiel, you can go back and look. We don't have time to look at them. God starts hammering the Israelites because their walls were flimsy. Not their literal brick walls, but the spiritual walls of their community. Were, they were weak and they were flimsy and they were crumbling. And these walls that were supposed to protect people were hurting them. They are falling on their head and they were hurting people. In Isaiah 58, God says, you guys, us, will be called repairer of walls, restorer of broken walls. And so that's kind of an image that we picked up. Like I said, we haven't talked about it in almost a year and a half of these walls in our city that need to be addressed. The church with a capital C, education, family, the government slash the legal community, economic business community, arts, entertainment, media, medicine, and science. Those seven institutions, and you can think about that, theoretically, ideally, are a source of blessing for the people who live in the city. Good things come to us from those places. I would say it's debatable whether good things come to us from those places at this point in varying degrees. But a lot of times those things, they're falling apart and the bricks are landing on our heads. And we're getting hurt by things that originally were supposed to protect us. And we're supposed to be a source of God's blessing to everybody. So we've got people in our community. They need this gift. And then we have kind of our community itself, these seven areas that also need to receive God's gift. God's activity among us. We'll come back to that if that's confusing. The second thing, question I was thinking about was, well, how do we give this gift? This is what Jesus says in Mark 4. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the seed produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Let me give you a picture. I have um, two children at Westside Elementary School, which is right down the street. It's a public school. We, we love the school. It is a public school. There's not a lot of room for Jesus in the everyday curriculum. So let's say I decide, you know what? Westside would be a better place if God was involved. I'm not saying we make it a Christian school. It would just be a better place if God was somehow invited into the daily activities of Westside. So I talk, Michelle has kids there. Jerry and uh, Angie have kids there. So we all talk and we say, yeah, that would be great. And so then the next thing I do, this is, here's my fork in the road. Option one, we form a committee to get prayer back in school. And so I, I create a petition, and we have an organization, and we take up money, and I start campaigning to get prayer legally instituted in school again, because that's what we need. God needs to be welcomed in our schools. Education, that's one of the walls, and I want to restore it. So that's what I'm focusing on. And so I say, let's get together and let's... We can talk to the Marietta, the school board and the city council, whoever we need to talk to. Let's get prayer here in this Marietta City School System. It's not that many schools. We can have influence in that little bitty group. And there, of course, there are people who oppose us, but they're opposing God, so who cares? And we run them over, and, you know, that's what we do. 
And we, we're fighting and we get coverage. In the, I write letters to the editor and the Marietta Daily Journal comes out. Maybe Bill O'Reilly interviews me at some point, And that's what we're doing. We're getting prayer back in school. I'm trying to rebuild this wall. That's option one. Option two, same thing. We have this conversation. We decide, you know what? It would be awesome if there was some, if, if, if there was some room in Westside for God to work. If there was some way of welcoming God into this school. And so we pray. And then we meet again the next week and we pray. And then we meet again the next week and we realize we've run out of stuff. We can only say bless the teachers and bless the principals for so long and keep everybody safe. And we've realized we don't have anything else to pray about. We really don't know what's going on in the school. And so we decide to volunteer. And Angie actually has been the president of the PTA, so she picks that up again because... And we get involved. And we realize what's... And we get to know the faculty, and we get to know the administration, we get to know the kids, and we realize, you know what? What they need, these teachers need adults to come in and read to kids. And there's a bunch of kids that don't have winter coats. And the playground looks terrible, and it needs to be re-landscaped. And those are things that we can work on. We're trying to rebuild the wall of education. It's two different ways of going about the same thing. And I would submit that one way is definitely better. I'm just going to say better than the other. Remember, we, we talked a few weeks ago about mustard seeds. We're not going to pass these out. Remember what a mustard seed looked like? Hold on. I'm trying to do this without spilling. That's what a, y'all can't even see it. They're so small. Those are what mustard seeds look like. You see how small those things are? That's option two. That's option two, doing that. Option one is planting bat. That's a mustard tree. It's 15 feet tall. If you've ever tried to plant anything, try to plant that. They say you've got to dig a hole twice the, the size of your root ball. And so the roots theoretically extend the length or the whole width of that tree. So you're digging a hole 30 feet wide. And then it's got to be however deep to get the roots in there. And then you've got to get a crane to put that thing in. Not easy. This, you can plant this with your finger. You dig a little hole in the dirt and you drop it in. That's it. Option one, we're going to legally get prayer back in school because that's how it was at some point and things were better. Things might have been better then. I don't know. But I do know that's like, try, that's like trying to plant a live oak. That's bigger than a mustard tree, trying to get prayer back in school. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that's what it is. It's a hard thing. It's taking a fully grown tree and trying to put it in your yard. And if you've ever tried to plant something fully grown, it doesn't work very well. You've got to clear out a lot of space. You've got to dig a really big hole. You've got to water it every day. You've got to amend the soil, and you've got to hope that it takes. Planting these things, easy. My kids can do it. And some of them don't come up, and that's why you plant a bunch of them. But the ones that come up, they, they come up organically. They come up as part of the landscape. It's not foreign. It's not, hold on, we've got a clear cut 50 square feet of space to plant this tree. It's just part of the landscape. And if it comes up, it's already taken root. And I think the thing that's interesting about mustard seeds versus mustard trees, if you plant mustard seeds, when there's a tree, people just notice the tree. Well, that's a great looking tree. Yeah, it's been there a long time. Whatever, whatever. You plant a tree and people come by and say, wow, look at that tree. And you start talking about how much work it was to put it in. 
We're not trying to create headlines. We're trying to create testimonies. Headlines are mustard trees. Testimonies are mustard seeds. You all have, there are people in your life, there are people in your community who need to receive this gift. There are institutions in our community, absolutely, that need to receive the gift of God. And I would say the way to do it is by planting mustard seeds, not planting mustard trees. You can plant a tree if you want. It's a whole lot of work. That's a whole lot easier. You've got to plant a lot of those because some of them aren't going to come up. Big deal. You plant enough, some of them will. And when they come up, what people are going to notice is the tree, not all the work you put in to making it happen, which gives God more glory. So as we work towards Christmas and as we celebrate the coming of Jesus, there's this, this giving thing, I think, is at the heart of what Christmas is. There's giving and there's receiving. Take, only in America do we give gifts to ourselves. We give and receive. It takes two people. There are people in your life who need to receive this gift. But before they can receive it, you have to give it. And before you can give it, you have to receive it as well. Before Jesus sent the twelve out on their first mission trip, he said, freely you have received, so freely give. They had nothing to give if they had not first received. If you don't have any mustard seeds, you don't have anything to plant. You've got to get the seeds first. Christmas started with God first sending Jesus, giving Jesus to us. Then, we, then people responded with worship and gold and all that stuff. It begins with us personally receiving. We're gonna, I'm going to lead us through two little areas of prayer, and then we're going to take some time and pray for the Winkles before they go to China. So um, y'all pray with me about this. In the Christian calendar, today is actually January 1st. Advent is the very beginning of the year, and this is the first Sunday of Advent. So this is actually the beginning of the year according to the Christian calendar, which I think is interesting. Again, we have to receive before we have anything to give. Last week we talked about asking and seeking and knocking, and one of the things I encouraged you was to think about something that you're asking or seeking and you know knocking for, something that you want to see the Lord do in your life. And that's very similar to what we're talking about today. Where do you need to receive God's gift? Where do you need God's activity in your life? I want you to grab onto something there. God, we want to believe you to work in our life. And we want to believe you to do it quickly. We do want to be patient and we want to stand in faith, knowing that you can move right now. So Lord, I pray for the areas that are in our hearts and our minds right now, these places where we need you to work. And I pray that you would. I pray that you would begin to shift circumstances right now. that you would remove obstacles now, Lord, that you would 
level the mountains and that you would fill in the valleys. So there's a straight road to receive the things that you want to give to us. I'm going to shift and think about the people in your city, the people in your community, in your network, who need to receive this gift of God. And it's not that you're better than them or anything else. It's just everybody needs to receive. You may be thinking of individuals. It may be kind of like that example we gave with Westside. It may be more of an area, an institution, something like that, something that you're a part of. God, I pray for these people that are in our minds right now as well and that you will begin to uh, soften their hearts to receive this gift. And God, I pray that you would give us opportunities to, to give, to give the, this gift to them, to sow mustard seeds, Lord. I pray that you would show us what that is. We all have a, we all have a testimony. God, I pray that you would begin to give us, show us how to scatter these mustard seeds in the lives of those who are near to us, who are close to us. And God, we pray that they would find good soil and that it would take root. God, we know Christmas Eve is the biggest day of the year for folks to come to church. And Lord, I pray for Christmas Eve services all across this county, that people who never received from you, that they would this year people who we've got in our head, that they would find their way to a church on Christmas Eve, that they would hear not the Christmas story in kind of the tame version, that they would hear the God of the universe offering them the gift of life, and that they would say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Winkles. Jason and Felicia are leaving to go to China on Wednesday. Why don't you all come up here? And Hannah Grace and Hudson and Mike. I did not see the kids sitting there. And we want to take some time and pray for them. Um, a couple of things. We've got that uh, tonight from 5 to 7 here, we're having a jambalaya, because that's Chinese food. We're having a jambalaya dinner. It does have rice in it. <laughs> So uh, that's from 5 to 7. Feel free to drop by, um, pick up some food. Uh, the Winkles will be here. You can talk to them and all that stuff. Again, it is a fundraiser, so just keep that in mind. Uh, 5 to 7, please feel free to come by. We'll have plates for the kids if they don't like jambalaya. So um, anytime. And then next week on Friday and Saturday, uh, the place where Jason used to work, Glory House, has uh, they've made available, I guess, an opportunity for us to help support them. They have these boxes that need to be packed. They've got stuff. Whatever. There's some stuff. There's some work that we need to do in the warehouse, and it's not hard. So there's sign-up sheets out front, Friday and Saturday, two different shifts, I think 9 to 12 and 12 to 3. They're looking for folks to come and help with this, pack these boxes and put wire on these picture frames or something like that. So it won't be hard. But the money from those boxes, they would have 
paid somebody to do their giving to the Winkles, and there's an opportunity there for them to get about $3,600. So um, there's a sign-up sheet out front for that, and you can see Kim for more details. So a couple of opportunities for you to connect with them in the next couple of days. So we're going to take some time and pray. Bo, why don't you guys come back up? And then we're going to close with uh, worship. Why don't y'all come here? Do you want to say? Y'all want to say anything? No, really. Okay. <laughs> They're going to China, and they'll be back in four years. So, um, those are, if uh, you're comfortable with this, you guys that um, maybe y'all can come up and lay hands on them and pray. It doesn't have to be anything formal, but you can just come up and pray a prayer of blessing over them. Um, we'll worship, and then I'll. I'll close us and dismiss at the end, okay? So I'm going to open us in prayer, and then just during this song as we worship, if you want to come up and lay hands on them and say a prayer, if you have got feel like the Lord's put something in your heart to share with them, I would encourage you to do that. And then um, at the end of the song, I'll come back and, and close us out. God, we do thank you for the winkles, and um, they're kind of like mustard seeds that we're scattering in China. That's, they're part of who we are. And so, Lord, I pray now as we pray uh, that they would be encouraged, that they would feel sent by this body, not that they're going alone, but they're going as an extension of this family. So encourage them now, I pray in Jesus' name.
God, that's our prayer for the Winkles. God, any dark clouds, we pray, would be filled, would burst and be filled with blessings on their heads. We thank you for their faithfulness to stick with it over the past several years, to do the work that they needed to do to get back to China. And God, we pray that you would make a straight path for them there. God, that you would transition the kids easily, Jason and Felicia, easily into Chinese culture. And God, I pray that they would experience a new dimension of life in China. It would, it would feel home to them, not foreign. It would feel home because it's the place that you've called them to, God, that you would make a place, you would make a carve out a niche in China for the Winkles. And God, I pray that everything that's in your heart for them to experience, everything that's in your heart for them to receive, and everything that's in your heart for them to do and give, we pray would happen. God, every plan, every purpose you have for them, we pray would be fulfilled. God, that you would protect them and things big and small that you would watch over them that they would know your nearness to them and God I pray also for fellowship that you would knit them into a body of believers in China as well that they would find brothers and sisters that the kids would find friends that there would be connection there God that they would not feel cut off Again, Lord, we say yes to everything that you have for them, even not knowing what those things are, because you're a good God and everything you have for us is good. Bless them, we pray. I pray their last couple of days here would be good. They get done the stuff they need to get done. Say goodbye to the folks they need to say goodbye to. And when they get on the plane, again, it would not feel like they're leaving home, but like they're headed home. God, I pray for us this week, again, opportunities this week to sow mustard seeds. To give gifts, to give this gift of your activity to a community that desperately needs it. In Jesus' name, amen.